On today's episode, we are going to take a look at Bank of America. They just reported earnings today and things don't seem to be that good for the financial sector. So let's get started. All right, so let's take a look at this company's stock performance. Since being at its all time high near to February 19th, when this whole market started to drop, this company is down 36%. That's insane. This company, Bank of America, has lost more than one third of its total valuation since the since this whole drop happened. And we're going to take a look later on. Most of the sector, the overall financial sector is down about 30 percent. Bank of America is one of the highest to dip down. Um, And today we're going to take a look at their earnings. First, we're going to take a look at some of the articles that came out. Then we're going to take a look at the information for the earnings and finally i'm just going to give my valuation of what i think i would buy this company in would i buy or would i pass on this company so let's talk about earnings earnings results so this company made 40 cents of earnings gap earnings per share which missed estimation by 14 cents so this company was expected to make 54 cents on earnings per share their revenue was $22.77 billion, so close to $22.8 billion, which beat by $190 million. Not that much of a beat. That's a little bit less than 1%. And if we're taking a look at revenue year to year, this company is down in revenue by a little bit, a little bit close to 1%. So the second article talks about Bank of America. They reported the credit card delinquency rate for March and it seems to be holding at a steady rate. Right, the delinquency rate is just how late people are at paying are paying their, their minimum payment at least. Um, so March credit card delinquency rate is 1.58% and it holds pretty steady compared to February. And let's compare this to March of 2019. March of 2019 was actually higher at 1.67%. So it's, it's pretty crazy, right? This whole thing is going on, but people are still paying their cards and they're actually paying, um, more people are paying their cards compared to the same time last year. I'm guessing it might still be a little too early for, for, for people to really have been affected by it or at least the min- they still have enough to make the minimum payments which is a good news for the banks the next thing they talk about is net charge off rate for the month has increased to 2.78 percent from 2.55 percent in february and net charge off rate is just a percentage that represents the amount of debt that the company believes it will never collect compared to average receivables so pretty much right it's isn't loan amounts that they don't think they're gonna get back um, due to defaults or some other stuff. So right now it increased compared to February and February was 2.55%. Right now it increased to 2.78%. It's not a big jump, so that, that's good. And when they compare it to same time last year, it's actually still lower. So I think it's it's that's pretty impressive in just how much the economy has grown in a year. In just one year, even though right now we're in the time of people are not working, and very low very high unemployment rate people are still paying their cards more more frequently than they were last last year and the amount of percentage of loans that they think are not going to get paid is still lower than same time last year all right so now we're going to take a look at this company's financial result they gave us a earnings presentation then they also gave us some press statement Um, which pretty much just tells us how the company has gone throughout this quarter and we're comparing it to same time last year 
So in this quarter of 2020, this company, like I mentioned, made a revenue of $22.8 billion. Compared to last year was $23 billion. So only $200 million difference, which is not a big diff. It's, it's, it's less than 1%, um, 1% down, which I think is, is pretty impressive. Um, but one thing, let's just jump all the way to the bottom of the, of the, of the sheet real quick. Let's take a look at net income. Net income last year was $7.3 billion. Net income this year was $4 billion. So you might go, hey, that's crazy. How did they only lose $2 billion, $200 million? They've only lost $200 million, which is $0.2 billion, 0.2. So $0.2 billion in revenue. But net income decreased by $3.3 billion. Like what did they do difference? And this is why we take a look at, at, the, at the statements. It pretty much just tells us everything that happens. So here they have something that's called provision of credit losses. So provision of credit losses last year was $1 billion. This year it was $4.8 billion. So about $3.8 billion more. Um, so obviously if that's a loss, that's why we see that about $3.3 billion less of net income this year compared to, to last year, even though there was only a $200 million difference in total revenue. And right here they have something that's called reserve build. So they have a reserve build of $3.6 billion that they added this year that last year they did not have. Last year they had zero in reserve build. So what is reserve build? This company is just making sure that they're not gonna let off all the money they have at hands just in case a lot of defaults start coming in. They still have some form of reserve money to be able to continue um, their work. So I guess they do some form of risk analysis and depend on how many loans are going to default, how many credit cards are going to default, how much everything are going to default. And they use that risk analysis to be able to determine how much reserve built they need. Same time last year, they need they needed nothing. Now they needed about $3.6 billion. And that cuts off from the net income because they're just taking that off. So that, that was a good thing to know. And that's where we get to see, right? There was such a minimal change in total revenue but there was such a drastic change in net income next i wanted to take a look at some highlights that they posted for quarter two we already talked about revenue enough and we already talked about net income and earnings enough but one thing i wanted to see here is there this company was actually talking about their balance sheet and in their balance sheet they actually gave you the book value per share for this company um, and then later on we're actually going to take a look at this company's intangible book tangibles book value which gives even a better a better results of what this company is worth based on its total assets so we're going to hit that point later on in the episode when i give my valuation of, of if i would buy this company but right now they say that based on their assets their book value per share is 27 dollars 84 with the current stock price at what what was it 22 dollars it actually has about four dollars so that's what close to 20% increase gained just on book value per share. So right now this company is a lot cheaper than the amount of assets it holds. The next thing I want to talk about is this company did suspend their sure repurchase program in March. And again, we're seeing this with all the big companies. One of the easiest way for them to make sure they have plenty of, of money is by spending purchase program. And that's usually the first on the list. Then things start to go on. Usually next will be dividends, but they did not mention that at the moment. 
All right, so next I wanted to take a look at this graph. I thought this graph was pretty cool. And this is a consumer payments and spending trend. So this started from the beginning of the year and it's pretty much just tracking how much consumers are spending in either credit or debit and how much they're paying. We can see from February 6th to about April, April, um, March 9th, even March 16th, everything was pretty, was pretty flat. Then after March 23rd, everything started to go on a downtrend and cause consumers are spending a lot less right now than they were um, than they were just a, a, a month ago. And that's pretty, pretty crazy. Back then, it seemed they were using about 8% of total credit and debit, where right now it seems that they're using about 2%. So that's a huge change in consumer spending. Uh, one good note though, total payments did not seem to see that big drop. So people are still paying pretty much a nice portion of their credit cards, which is definitely a good thing to see. That we're, it doesn't seem like we're gonna see any, any huge amount of credit card defaults anytime soon. And usually credit card defaults are, I wouldn't say a leading thing because if you're paying off for something, if you're out in cash, the first thing you're gonna do is start charging your credit card. So we're not seeing that big gap increase right now, which I think is some form of positive news for the overall economy. And here, I mean, I, I, right, these are, this is a Bank of America, this is a bank, so they pretty much know if money is coming into your account. So these are the people that actually know who is being affected by the economy, who's no longer getting a paycheck. And they actually say card spend for non-essentials have declined. So people are obviously not buying non-essentials. Non-essentials would be like extra clothes, trips, consumer electronics. So they say card spend for non-essentials have declined even for those that are not impacted by the pandemic from a cash flow or, or unemployment perspective. So I guess they have some form of data that they're seeing, hey, this money people are still collecting the same amount of cash flow, but they are decreasing the amount of money they're spending. They also say that purchase of essentials such as groceries has increased compared to previous values. And again, that makes sense. More people are out there buying their toilet paper. All that toilet paper can add up to that consumer spending. Next, I just wanted to take a look at how the overall loans was happening for, for Bank of America. Are people taking more loans? Is, is it a bad thing if they are taking more loans? And they say that commercial loans has increased $67 billion compared to last quarter. And this is just businesses are trying to have more funding activities but one thing that i did like is 90 percent of that 67 billion dollar of that loan growth is related to revolver draws on existing lines so these customers already had some form of credit line with bank of america so it's not like they're actually opening up a new bank a new loan amount is they're just using their previous credit lines to pull out more loans for it which I think is good in some sense because these people were already pre-vetted. Next, the other big thing that banks do, right? And they don't only loan you money. They also take your money in form of deposits. And I want to see how the overall deposits were going and they seem to be increasing. Total corporation deposits increased by $150 billion compared to last quarter, compared to quarter four of 2019. And this is just shows that right now customers, even people are, are trying to hold on to cash 
and they're trying to put it in a safe place and they still believe in the banking system they still believe that having it in the bank is the safest and soundest approach for customers global banking deposits grew by 94 billion driving by again clients flight to safety they, they people are going to cash right now consumer and global world investment management deposits increased by 51 billion dollars so global war um global world investment management is pretty much just like stock investments any form of asset investments they are seeing 51 billion dollar increase there as customers move to higher cash levels in the uncertain environment so right now we see a huge shift huge volatility in the in the market and probably in all asset prices that people right now are sitting on cash waiting for things to cool down before going back into these assets I'm doing probably the complete opposite. I'm just continuing going to these assets and, and seeing, hey, maybe just keep dollar cost averaging right now and hopefully just grab companies at great prices. So obviously for banks and for the most or and for financial sectors, the main way these companies make money is through some form of interest. Net interest income for this company was $12.1 billion and it did decrease by 2% compared to the same time last year. And obviously the biggest reason is because we have lower interest rates now than we did a year ago. And this is another big reason why we see these bank companies continue to drop as interest rates continue to go lower. All right, so the next thing I want to take a look at is this company's valuation. This company has a book value per share of common stock of $27.84. So based on all its assets, and all it's that um, the amount of sh a shareholder equity. So that gives you a shareholder equity. If you do total assets minus your total liabilities, it gives you a shareholder equity. Then if you have that shareholder equity, which is pretty much every extra assets this company has and divide that by the amount of shares, it gives you this company's book value. So it gives you what this company is worth based on assets. Based on assets, this company is worth $27.84. Right now, the current price is about $22, so that's about a 20% gain. Then they gave us even one better. They gave us tangible book value. So tangible is now just based on tangible assets. This is a lot less, but still pretty enticing. Right now, the tangible book value is $19.79. So this company, based on this, I would consider this company to be pretty cheap. Next, I wanted to take a look at what estimations expect that the, what analysts expect this company to make. So next, I wanted to take a look at Seeking Alpha and seeing if this company is actually growing. So here, Seeking Alpha gives us the estimation of revenue this company is expected to make for 2020 and is expected to make for 2021. I, de I definitely want to see a growth here in 2021 compared to 2020. It tells me this company is still growing. Unfortunately, this is a company that makes a lot of money. It has a total revenue for 2020 of $86.85 billion. And for 2021, it's expected to make $87.3 billion. So a small increase there. But I don't think banks, especially big banks like this, usually see a big increase in revenue unless it comes with a high interest rate. So if interest rates start to go higher, obviously these banks are going to make more money. Next, I wanted to take a look at this company's estimated earnings per share. For 2020, this company is expected to make $2.25, which gives this company a forward PE ratio of $10.50. Uh, a forward PE ratio of 10.53. For December 2021, 
this company is expected to make $2.48, which gives this company a forward PE ratio of 9.55. And I think this is actually not based on the current price right now. Let's actually do the current price. The current price is, what was it? The current price is $22.19. Let's divide that by the $2.48. That's crazy. This forward PE ratio for this company for two years from now is 8.9. So now let's just take a look at my other favorite website, Lazy FA, and I already pulled up the earnings per share that this company is usually at. It seems on normal, this company is somewhere around 10. It actually seems to be higher. So it goes as low as 9.3 and it's seen as high as 18.1. So let's just go with the average of 12. So based on 12, what would I, what would I give this company? So it was 2.48, was it times 12? Gives this a price of $29.76. So $29.76 is actually pretty close to what the total book value per share for this company is. So honestly, I am pretty I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty bullish for this company, for Bank of America, and I'm pretty sure it's similar. I, I would see similar values in the other financial sector in all the other big banks. So I'm definitely looking into investing into the financial sector. Me, I'm technically my portfolio is usually not pretty into. I don't think I have many stocks in the financial sector. If you don't consider, I think Mastercard. Uh, I don't think I would consider it in this type of banking financial sector. So that is fine of the financial sector, but not really in this banking sector. So a forward PE ratio of 8.9 right now tells. I, I think I, I would get a good value right now. So this is definitely looking like a company I will want to invest when my next paycheck comes in and my new money goes into my accounts. And next, if you guys don't want to go into a independent financial sector and just want to invest in the whole financial market, SLF is the financial sector fund for the SPY. So overall, this company has lost the this index ETF has lost about 30.5%. Bank of America has lost 35, but it seems like the average all banking sector has only lost 30.5. So XLF pretty much has all the big, all the big banks in it. I'm pretty sure if you guys go on Google, if we take a look at holdings, it would give you all the positions that they hold. Let's keep going down and see, right? They have, oh, actually XLF is actually holds Berkshire Hathaway. They have 14% in Berkshire. They have 11% in JP Morgan. 7% in Bank of America, 4.5% Wells Fargo. So you can see this company is really, it has, is pretty much all into the banking world. And this is actually pretty new to me that this company actually has such a huge portion and this ETF has such a huge portion in Berkshire Hathaway's. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you guys think of Bank of America. Are you guys looking to buy? Are you guys going to wait a bit more? Or are you guys just not into the financial sector? So let me know in the comments. Feel free to post. Take care, guys, and have a good night.